Welcome to the Men of Sorrows Finding Joy podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrow. Our podcast is committed to supporting and encouraging men to process their grief in order to heal and return to joyful living in the midst of great sadness. Although it is directed toward men, all are welcome to tune in and participate. The reason for Men of Sorrows Finding Joy is the fact that in most grief support groups I attended after the death of my son, men were noticeably absent. And one of the often heard reports of the wives, mothers, and sisters about the men in the family was, they are angry and they keep busy. Big boys don't cry was a phrase I grew up with, but here men are invited to cry, mourn, and express their emotions by following the example of the best, bravest, and strongest man that ever lived, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5.7 explains that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Isaiah 51 declares Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Today's podcast is part two of the eternal view of suffering. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit's ministry to us during times of suffering so that we know what to look for. It's so hard. The work of grief and mourning is so hard. Even though I knew what to look for after the suicide of my son, it seemed absent. It seemed distant. It seemed unreachable. It seemed like I made it up. It was really hard. And I taught this eternal view for suffering for 25 years. But it came back. And not only did it come back, it came back stronger than ever. We're going to be in, in, in Romans chapter 8, which is a beautiful, beautiful chapter. If you look at Romans 8, the, the beginning of Romans 8, Paul outlines the new life that we have where we are being led by the Spirit that we now have the Holy Spirit living in us and our mind needs to be set on what the Spirit desires. And Paul tells us what the Spirit desires in verse 16. He said, The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. If we are children of God, then we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now we have to pause that for a minute. This is what the Holy Spirit wants us to see. Now, we would think that if we were an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ, then God loves us and he's going to treat us great and we're never going to suffer. But we know that's not true. The thing that keeps us from doubting God's love for us, the thing that keeps us from really understanding God's love for us and believing it and embracing it is when we suffer. So he tells us that we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, and he proves it uncategorically that God has us through the death, burial, and resurrection of his Son. We are secure in God's love. We're significant in his plan. And if we're an heir of God and co-heirs with Christ, that means that our... Get what this means. That means that our life here on earth is just as significant and important to God as Jesus Christ's 
life when he walked the earth and Jesus Christ life now and Jesus Christ life into all eternity. Do you believe it? I have a hard time believing that. I'll be honest. I believe it and I pray that the Lord would help me in my unbelief. You can't deny it. It's right there in scriptures. He tells us that we're heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. And then immediately after that, the following verses, the rest of chapter 8, he talks about suffering. I mean, nothing makes us doubt God's love for us more than when we suffer. So when you look at the Spirit's ministry in Romans chapter 8, the first thing the Spirit does is it helps us in our natural weakness. It helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray. We think we know what to pray. Lord, get me out of this suffering. So therefore, we don't know what to pray because the suffering's inevitable. When Liam died, I wanted to get out of the suffering, but how could I? He wasn't coming back. Nothing could change what had happened. Nothing could change it. So the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, and the Spirit is praying with us and through us. When I was crying and yelling and screaming, the Spirit was interceding with me and for me. I felt the prayers of God's people all over. I, I put it out on Facebook at times, please pray for me, and people responded, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, I asked over and over again, I asked for a vision of Liam. I said, God, I want to see a vision. I want you to show me he's okay. I want to see him like Jesus saw Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. That was daytime. The disciples saw it too. What? They're so great. I thought all men were equal. I thought Elijah was a man just like me. They're so great. They get to see these glorious visions. Why can't I? <laughs> that was my prayer. And the Holy Spirit stuck with me and interceded with me, comforted me and walked by my side, produced that faith inside of me where I could hear God ask me, Bill, what would you rather have, my son? A quick vision that's here now and gone tomorrow or my presence with you 24-7? I wanted both. But the Holy Spirit convinced me that the latter was the best. That Christ living in me, comforting me, empowering me, healing my broken heart was what I needed. The other part of the ministry spirit in our suffering, the Holy Spirit ministering to us in our suffering, number one was helps us in our weakness. Number two is that the Holy Spirit assures us that all things work together for good. Now the good isn't a change of circumstances, and the good isn't a change of circumstances. We often confuse this and think that something wonderful is going to happen or something great is going to come out of it. And that's not always the case. Because when he says in verse 28, we know that in all things God works for the good, of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, verse 29 defines the good. And he said, For those God foreknew, he all pre also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. What God is working us, working for our good, is he's moving. We're part of a big, 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 big picture. 
There's such a bigger picture than what is going on in our lives. I didn't say it wasn't important to God. It's part of this beautiful, glorious picture. And he says that we're going to be conformed to the image of his son. God is moving all history, all creation, all things towards the reign of Jesus Christ where we will be transformed and be like him and conform to his image where we're going to live perfectly with God in relationship with God the Father just as Jesus Christ is in relationship with the God, God the Father for all eternity. And right now we're being conformed and transformed right now. So that's the good that God's going to work out. Now, sometimes, yes, I've seen him bring good things out of bad circumstances. That's part of it. But the ultimate healing, the ultimate party, the ultimate circumstances is in heaven with God forever and ever and ever. Finally, the Holy Spirit okay, witnesses to future glory. And that's, that's part of it. Right in that same verse, in verse 29, Paul talks about these chains of events, these chains of events in God's kingdom. He goes on to say that we were predestined, I mean, God decided beforehand that we'd be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Now that chain of events is God predestining, he's, he's chosen us, he's called us, he's loved us, he has this overarching plan for all humanity, he justified us, that means that he's taken away all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame, and those he justified, he glorified. Now that glorification, that refers to us leaving these sin-cursed bodies and being resurrected, we're not going to go into the specifics of how this is all done, but what the final aspect of glorification is, is that we're with God in brand new bodies. They seem to be from people that have crossed over these bodies of, of light, and energy, and power. But we're ourselves, and we, we can recognize one another. That's glorification, where we are with God forever and ever and ever in the new heaven and the new earth in new bodies. Now notice that in this passage, Romans 8.30, that God's so sure of this that he speaks of it in the past tense. So the Holy Spirit is witnessing to future glory here that we are going to be with God, that we will be glorified, that we will be out of our suffering. It may not be right now, but we are out of our suffering. And for me, I remember it was months later that I started to review the eternal view of suffering out loud. I began to, to talk about it out loud. Don't be surprised. Know the end from the beginning. Okay, we looked at the Holy Spirit's ministry to us in our suffering. And knowing the end at the beginning means that when as soon as that suffering hits, when we're in the midst of our suffering, what is the end result here? For me, in my suffering with losing my son, the end result for me would be that he and I, all our loved ones, would be on the new heaven and the new earth together. 
that we were going to live in the next age, in the next life. There's many ways to describe it together in perfect love and perfect unity. That's the end at the beginning. So when I started to set my mind on that, I did get some relief. In fact, in the beginning, that, that those thoughts made me anxious because, let's face it, it's all unknown. We know nothing about it. We don't like the unknown. We don't like change. I wanted Liam here with me. I wanted to sit out back with him. I wanted to go to the beach with him. Those are the things that I knew and the joyful things that we have and family holidays and all of that to the idea of glory in heaven. But the Holy Spirit will teach us, will remind us, will comfort us. So knowing the end at the beginning is really allowing the Holy Spirit to witness to that future glory and know that we can't lose. So the eternal view of suffering is one, don't be surprised. Two, know the end from the beginning. And three, know that you can't lose. And all of these are things that the Holy Spirit, these these truths the Holy Spirit will make real to us. Knowing the end of the beginning reminds me of, of a pretty neat story. Dear, dear friend of mine, Pastor Matt Garippa, he has since passed and gone on to be with Christ. And you got to understand, if you're a New York Giants fan, you have to understand that they kind of stunk up the field like in the 70s. And my dad was a big fan and Pastor Matt was a big fan during those times. They were not good. And they made it to the Super Bowl. I think it was 85, 86, probably 86. And Pastor Matt told his son, because he had to preach that night and to be a good pastor, you couldn't skip church for the Super Bowl. He told his son to record it on VHS and to have it all queued up when he got home. But he didn't want his friends. He said, go in the kitchen, go upstairs to your room. You can't be in the room because I'll know just by looking at your faces what the outcome was. I'm not going to listen to the radio. I'm not going to stop to see anybody. Have the pizza there ready for me. And I'll sit in my chair and watch the Giants play. His son went upstairs in his room with his friends hanging out after the game. And Matt sat down to watch the game. Now they were upstairs and they knew the outcome. They knew what was going to happen. Matt was in the middle of it. And when things weren't going the Giants' way, he'd get upset and he'd yell about, why did you, that was a bad call to the ref. And the, and the kids are upstairs listening to that. <laughs> and they're saying, wait till Lawrence Taylor gets that interception or makes that sack or whatever. He's going to be so happy. So they have the aerial view. They, have, they, they knew the end at the beginning where Matt was. And that's the way it is with eternity. All that have gone before us, they have the eternal perspective on things. We don't. We're in the midst of it. But God used these truths to bring me back from the dead. I still cry for Liam. I still miss him. I still wish he didn't die the way he died. I still struggle with guilt. But when I set my mind on these things and the Holy Spirit comes to my rescue and tells me that I can't lose, that there's nothing in all creation that can separate me from the love of God. If you look at it at the end of Romans chapter 8, Paul breaks into this beautiful, lyrical language 
of, of God's faithfulness, of God's power in the midst of our suffering. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? All things. We've been given all things. We, we're going to inherit and we're going to live in eternity. God fixed it all. And here, here's what helped me when the accusations were coming that it was my fault and I felt guilty. Who will bring a charge against them whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, sword? He says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? If you're mourning a loved one and you're suffering, please, I do not want to be a cliche and I do not want to be a banging, clanging cymbal or an empty gong in your ears. If you're having trouble with this, even believe in this, Pray this prayer. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Because it tells us and it tells me death. Death cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not separated from my son. I'm not separated from my dad. We're separated physically. But I sense that somehow, some way, because if we're all in Christ... And we're all in the flow of God's Spirit. They're there in the flow. If they're in Christ, we're in Christ. Somehow we're connected. Somehow we're not separate. I sense it. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't know how it all works. But I do know that this is what God tells us in the midst of our suffering. And I know that this gives us hope. Hope is what gives us the ability to go on. Hope is what gives us the ability. I want to end with an illustration. It's about white rats. And they did, an, they did an experiment to see the role that hope plays in the species. And since we're similar to white rats, I don't know if that says anything good about us or bad, but since we're similar to white rats, white rats are kind of a very a very experimented upon species. But what they did is they wanted to see the role that hope played and they took two sets of rats and they took set A and put them in a pool of water to see how long they would swim before they gave up and drowned. How long they would tread water before they just gave up and drowned. And it was an average of three minutes on average. 
that they gave up. Now the next group they put in, and after they swam, right at the three minute mark, they were all scooped up, they were all saved. And the, the premise was, the hypothesis, the question was, okay, now that they have hope that someone's gonna come rescue them, how long will they swim? You wanna guess? No, no. On average, they swam 18 hours. Some swam for days, now that they had hope. And Romans 5 testifies to this, that hope produces perseverance. Hope is what will produce that perseverance to go on. And in the midst of our pain, we can love others with that hope, it says in Romans chapter 5. So think about the white rats. You know, I went for a walk immediately the, the, the morning that Liam died. I said, all right, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to be like the white rats. I'm going to get full of hope on this walk. I'm going to talk this out with God and I'll be so full of hope I'll be able to go on. Nothing really happened on that walk. And I was panicked because there was no relief. The journey that I'm on, I'm almost three years into it with my son. What I'm talking to you about did not happen overnight. It was six months before I felt some relief and more lightness. And today I have more joy than I've ever had in my life. But it's mixed with this sadness. But I have that hope. I have that peace. I have that joy. I have the Holy Spirit reminding me of the future glory. And this is what's true for us. That we will live. I tried out The first time I tried out the rat theory was when I was going through a divorce. My, I'll spare you the gory details, but when my first wife, she fell in love with somebody else, she kind of abandoned me emotionally and spiritually and physically, and I was, I was in a lot of pain. And I thought, man, this is gonna be my life, cause it, it didn't seem like we were gonna split up. And it just seemed like we were gonna be in this loveless marriage. And that kind of depressed me. I was depressed. And I remember walking one night and saying, okay, let's see. I'm supposed to know the, the end at the beginning. What's going to give me hope? And then I thought about it. I said, okay, know the end at the beginning. Well, the end isn't that I live out this quiet, desperate life in this loveless marriage, depressed, suffering. That's not the end. The end is that I'm going to be living with God, with Jesus Christ, for all eternity. We have no way to measure that. Like people say that time doesn't work the same. We don't, we don't know how to measure that. But if we want to get at least a little glimpse, we can measure it in years. So I imagine myself going over to my dad and saying, Dad, I hadn't seen you in a couple thousand years. You know, I've been busy doing a few things. Let's catch up. Or seeing friends and loved ones that you hadn't seen. You run into them somewhere on the streets, right, of heaven. There's parks in heaven. There's streets. So I go to the park one day. There's gardens. I'm walking through the garden. Hey, Frank over there. I haven't seen you in five million years, man. How's it going? Right? So I started imagining that, and I got filled with joy. I got filled with hope and peace, and I was jumping up and down in the street. People probably thought I was nuts if they would have seen it. But that was the first time I tried it out. And then as I persevered and, and worked through my issues with Liam, yes, I do picture myself. <laughs> hey, Liam, 
You know, let's go visit grandpa. Let's go see him over in his mansion or whatever. Like, we haven't been over there in 2,000 years. And in eternity, that'll just be like two days. You know what I'm saying? This, this, These truths, these things that God has given us to hold on to are an anchor for the soul. The gospel is good news. The gospel is good, good, good news. What better news is there than reunion with our loved ones that have passed? Seeing God, being with God, in God, living in that unconditional love. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. So thank you for tuning in. I hope, trust that that has given you some hope. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you're suffering, that you will get that hope and that glimpse and that revelation of God's all-sufficient grace, his overarching, overreaching plan that includes. Oh boy, it is so beautiful. If you have any questions, any comments, or you need to talk to somebody, reach out. Reach out to the program. Uh, send me an email. And remember, God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness. And nothing, nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus.